Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 3-1. Swing and a drive. Left field and deep. Turning around Dominic Smith. And there is a career high 17th homer for C.J. Crone. It's a three-run first-spinning shot. And the Rays take a 3-0 lead. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Right-hander pitches. Here's a towering drive, way up into the air to right field, all the way back to the wall goes Judge, gone! A three-run homer for Jake Bowers, and the Rays have jumped in front four to one. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good afternoon, welcome to our first Saturday show of the season. We're here on Saturdays once the NFL regular season begins, and today you'll hear from reliever Adam Kalarik about his rise with the Rays. Dave, Andy, and B.A. will join us for a roundtable. We'll look at the championship in the Rays minor league system so far. Hear from Malik Smith on being the Clemente Award nominee for Tampa Bay and much more. We continue on this week in Rays baseball and our feature guest this week is Adam Kalarik. And Adam, you've had a, a terrific run this year out of the Rays bullpen and obviously a terrific ride to get here. What has all of this meant to you in context? Uh, it's, just, it's just been such a fun journey. You know, the time I've spent working to get to this moment you know it's it's all been worth it and you know there's there were definitely tougher times you know when you're kind of grinding your way through the minor leagues and uh to finally have you know an opportunity to you know kind of get settled in and show really what i can do at this level and contribute you know that was the biggest thing i I wanted to contribute and help and help this team win and uh you know i feel like i've been fortunate enough to uh to do that this year 22 different rookies on the on the club Everyone, I'm sure, at some point is get, trying to get to a place where they believe they belong. Was there a point this year where you kind of, maybe not the switch flipped, but where you really kind of got to that point? Uh, I think just with each outing, you learn that, you know, you can be you know competitive in the, in the outing itself, but you also learn that in different situations, you know, you know, at first you kind of get brought in, you know, maybe we're up by a lot or down by a lot, you know, so, you know, you get your feet wet that way. And then all of a sudden uh, you're in, you know, when you're only down like two or three, you know, and you got to keep the team in the ball game because we have, you know, such a, we have such a good offense that can come back at any time. So like that, I feel like that was kind of my role for a little bit. And then now I get to come into games, you know, where we have a lead and, you know, it's, it's getting to that time of the game, seventh, eighth inning where it's, you know, the game's on the line. So I think you just kind of have to prove a, uh, not just to yourself, but to your teammates and your coaches that, you know, I can be that guy to come in in those situations and be counted on. And you've certainly done that to this point. You know, you mentioned the journey. Your dad was a minor league catcher, got as high as AAA with the A's, and had thrown, what, BP for the Orioles for a stretch there? Is that right? Were you always into baseball, or what are your earliest memories of being involved in the game, and when did you realize you wanted to play baseball professionally? Baseball, even though you know my, it was my dad's career as well, it was never forced upon me. It's just something that just happened so naturally. I mean, I lo- I've always loved the game, and I mean, we would go watch. You know, when I was really young, you know, we'd obviously go watch the Orioles play, but you know, I would go to 
you know, there were good players coming out of Baltimore, like Mark Teixeira and Gavin Floyd. Like, I would go watch them play in, uh, when they were in high school. So, I mean, I've always been into it, and it's just a, it's a special thing that I, you know, get to play as well. And me and my dad, you know, have that special relationship where we can not just talk about it from, um, you know, father-son relationship, but also from a pitcher-catcher relationship, you know, of how to attack hitters and, and you know, what the plan is going to be, you know, for my next for my next outing or what things I need to work on. So we have that special relationship, and baseball is just something that brings us even closer together. When did you realize you wanted to be a pro? I mean, I think every kid, you know, has that dream as early as, you know, preschool or, you know, however young they start watching games on TV and they want to be like their, like their uh, heroes. And for me, it was the same way. You know, I just had that kid, dream as a kid, and it just it's, – it's funny. You don't – I mean, you're working on it every single day, even when you're in Little League and, you know, I think it all kind of builds up to that moment when you get into college and then pro ball where, you know, you get to kind of put yourself to the test and see if you can actually uh, can actually uh, do it. Were you always a pitcher? And if not, what else did you play? Uh, I was a center fielder, and then I played some first base. Uh, I went into college as a two-way player, and, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of opportunity my freshman year because we had so many upperclassmen, but I did get some chances uh, my junior year to get some ABs and play the field, so I I enjoyed playing the field because, you know, you get to be involved the entire game as opposed to just a reliever. You know, you're only in for a shorter segment of the game, so it's, it's fun to contribute the entire time. I mentioned the grind in the journey that you've been on. I mean, you basically went from, what, 2010 to 2015 and played two games above the AA level. It wasn't until you got to the Rays organization you got that chance. Were there points where you had either self-doubt or were wondering, okay, maybe it's time to do something else? I mean, that would only be natural. Sure. I mean, those, those thoughts can you know, always creep into your head at different points. Uh, I had some good good years uh, in double-A, and then I started to kind of stall out a little bit. And, you know, getting a second chance really with the Rays, you know, you get to come to a new organization, and it is kind of like starting over in a sense. You know, you don't know anybody. Um, you get to make all new friends and teammates and coaches and build those relationships. And sometimes, you know, you just need to wipe the slate clean and just come in fresh, and uh, it's amazing how you can kind of – turn that into uh you know kind of like a kind of a second run at things and last year you made your big league debut after all of that but it was almost somewhat happenstance that you ended up back in this organization right you went to spring training with atlanta and tell a story from there yeah i mean it was crazy i mean atlanta just they had told me a lot of good things in the off season that made me believe that you know i would have a chance with them at the major league level right away and then it turned out to be uh you know they brought in some other lefty relievers so I, it looked like I was going to be pushed, you know, back into AAA. And then, then it became, you know, there's no job available. So the Rays picked me up, you know, like the next day after I was released by Atlanta. And my dad was with me visiting in spring training. And we basically were together when got the word that the uh, Braves were letting me go. So we decided to drive home. It seemed like, you know, especially the last week of spring training, everybody's trimming down their rosters. So it, I kind of figure, you know, maybe once the season got underway and rosters, you know, injuries happen, maybe I'd find another job, you know, a week or so into the season. But uh, I was very fortunate enough just on the drive home. We made it from Florida to North Carolina and got the call from the Rays and just did a big I-95 U-turn and made my way back down to uh, Port Charlotte. And the rest is history. You made your big league debut last year and certainly have excelled this year. You excelled this year, though. You weren't on the roster originally, so you had to make a decision to come back. Did the appearances you made last year basically make that decision for you, so to speak? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, they showed that they were willing to give me, you know, an opportunity at the major league level, and I knew that I was just – I always feel like I'm constantly working to improve, and, you know, if I were to continue to improve, that I would that there would be more opportunity 
to come. Obviously, building the relationships with the coaches here, you know, especially with Kyle, you know, and you know, I, I would have hated to be in any other organization and look back at Tampa and see, you know, Kyle, you know, at the major league level and think, you know, what could have been, you know, we were to be, you know, able to work together at this level. So I think uh, it made it for a very easy decision to come back and, and give it another opportunity here. What has made him so special to you? Because he, I know he's had an impact on so many. Uh, he, he's just he's able to relate the analytical side of baseball as well as what we as players feel, you know, on a daily basis. And he knows what it takes, obviously, to play at this level. And he won at the highest level. So I think he's just it's, it's like a perfect mix of what we're you know what the Rays organization does as far as you know analyzing you know the the constant daily. Uh, intricacies of baseball and he's able to relate that information into uh, making us better pitchers obviously he's made a difference your dad's made a difference how about your wife you got married this offseason melanie's been with you for a long part of this journey how helpful has she been in keeping you kind of focused and and allowing you to do what you do oh she's been amazing i mean she's uh you know we kind of have laughed about this before in the past but she's she certainly didn't know what she was getting into when we first started dating i mean we we met the winter before i was drafted so she didn't really even realize that i wouldn't be coming back for my senior year had it you know if, if i was lucky enough to be drafted so when the draft happened and i said i was going to go play baseball she just didn't really understand what that meant at first uh but she's been through the ups and downs of the minor league life as well so uh, getting to share these moments with her and, you know, be in new cities together and explore and build our relationship and, um, you know, hopefully start a family here in the in the coming years. So I think it's just, you know, without her, you know, it just it would have been uh, a much tougher road. And obviously she's probably enjoyed some of these moments as much as you have. The one that sticks out, you know, I asked a, a kind of a moment of reckoning. To me, it's New York where you come in with the bases loaded, nobody out and get a save. What did that moment mean to you? And, and do you think that might have been your best moment so far, other than maybe your first outing? Yeah, I don't. I think that would be tough to beat. You know, when I, when I came into the game, you know, I was really just trying to tell myself, you know, I'd been in this situation before in terms of coming into games with bases loaded and nobody out. But obviously at that level in that stadium, it's just, it's a whole other, uh, it's a whole other ball game. But uh, to me, it was just, I was able to, I actually, I mean, I felt calm in the situation. You know, I just kind of, I kind of laughed to myself and thought, you know, about my parents, you know, watching and just what they must be thinking at this moment and how they're probably going crazy. And, 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 that, and, and honestly, in the moment, I was just thinking, man, I was just like, all the time that's been put in like has been for this moment. And, and there's, there's probably not another person other than my teammates and coaches that think that I can get out of this situation. And that kind of like calmed me down. I was like, you know, everyone in this, in this stadium thinks that, you know, I'm not gonna be able to get out of it, but let's just prove them wrong. So that kind of like pumped me up and, and it calmed me down and it just, it allowed me just to go out there and just trust my pitches, execute my pitches and good things happen. Do you think that's helped you from here on out or has to this point? I mean, I think so. I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I have felt good, you know, mentally and physically in, in every outing. And sometimes it just doesn't go your way. You know, I had a rough rough weekend earlier in the season at Minnesota, and I gave up a bunch of runs. But, you know, I was getting my ground balls, and they just were finding holes. And then, you know, kind of, kind of just spiraled into a tough, uh, tough uh, weekend. But I have, you know, always felt confident out there and knowing that if I just continue to press forward that, you know, the results will come. And as a reliever, you have to be to kind of erase everything fairly quickly. What do you do when you're off the field? What calms you down? What allows you to occupy time? 
so you're not consuming baseball 24-7? Well, you know, obviously, you know, this is kind of my first go-around and at a lot of these stadiums. Uh, you know, we have gone to New York a couple of times, but going into new cities and getting to explore and just kind of see um, see everything that is the, that, that, that's around. You know, it's, it's so much fun just to, you know, wake up in the mornings and go out for a walk and just kind of see just see everything you know find the find the good breakfast place and find the good coffee place and and explore the city you know with my teammates and and honestly just just uh soaking it all in favorite city so far that's tough uh we went to chicago last year to play the cubs and chicago was incredible it was it was right around the fourth of july so it was you know the city was packed and just getting to walk around and by the water and, and check everything out i think chicago's pretty high up there We'll continue to enjoy all the moments the rest of this year and beyond. We certainly appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. No problem. Thank you. That's Adam Cleric, and we'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in race baseball. Neil Solon's with you. Time now to take a look at the week gone by. And joining us to look both back and forward, Dave and Andy. And BA, I know, is glad handing in the Republic Bank draft room and will join us in a little bit. Dave, Andy, thanks for being with us. What's happening? Always happy to be here. Let's, Me too. Uh, let, <laughs> I'm sure. Let's start with where the Rays are. I mean, if you would have told me going into the year with everything that's happened, 22 rookies, 52 players, and with, what, 22 games left or 12 over 500, how surprised, how pleased would you be with where the Rays are at this point? My prediction was 72-90. and 90. I'll be perfectly honest, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I, I thought this team would be an interesting team to watch, which they have been, but I thought this could very well be a 90-loss team, and I am happy to say how wrong I was. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've said from day one that I didn't think that this team was going to be as bad as everybody said it would be. I mean, you're not going to go out and sell T-shirts with that slogan on them and put them up around the clubhouse and tell the guys that. But, uh, you know, I thought that if, if a number of things went right, I thought this team did have a chance at 500. Now, maybe you can flip-flop a couple of the things that I thought would go right. I really thought we needed Chris Archer to be really good this year. He was not, but I didn't think I expected Blake Snell to be a Cy Young candidate this year, and he has been every bit of that. And then some of the youngsters like a Joey Wendell, who you didn't really anticipate being a whole lot or really even think that he was going to be a big part of the club, has become part of the club. Um, and, and a bunch of the other younger guys have stepped up. And then, again, you've got to give credit where credit is due. This opener thought process has allowed the Rays to win a lot more games than they probably would have if they would have just thrown mm-hmm. young pitchers out to the Wolves. So, you know, it's been a, a collaborative effort here by the front office, by the manager, Kevin Cash, the coaching staff, and then the players ultimately getting the job done. So I probably would have picked us to be maybe a little bit closer to 500, and uh, who knows when it's all said and done what it's going to end up being. But I don't think I anticipated us being 12, 13 games over 500 and battling for a playoff spot. But if you remember, we did talk to Kevin Cash about it right at the beginning of spring training and asked him what type of, type of team did he think we were going to be. He thought we would be competitive and maybe even battle for a playoff spot. My biggest surprise, Neil, is I didn't know how this team was going to score runs. I think that's been the the most uplifting thing about this team moving forward, even more than the opener situation, even more than Blake Snell in some ways, is that they become a very unique offensive team in this day and age in baseball. Remember in spring training, we were talking about launch angles and they had those screens out on the field, mm-hmm. which were anticipating uh, some home runs perhaps. And it's been a much better, much more entertaining, much more interesting offensive team that I ever could have thought from how they have cut down on the strikeouts and how they've moved the ball with runners in scoring position to there in fact, score runs. And I think it's the next frontier in baseball is figuring out how to beat shifts in many ways this year. I think the Rays have. 
I would agree with you. I think for me, the biggest surprise is how dominant they've been at home. I mean, we're talking about a team that's now won nine games in a row at home, 30 out of 38. And you guys have talked about it a lot during the course of the year, that the way you become good is to become really good at home. And I think the Rays, for whatever reason, have kind of found that rhythm in this ballpark. And I, and they didn't start that way. I mean, look, mm-hmm. they won opening day in, in a really exciting fashion against the Red Sox for that six-run eighth inning. But this team got swept at home by the Phillies. They got swept at home by the Braves. Uh, and, and it really wasn't until, I think, Bowers and Adamas started to really come up and provide something for this team that they got that extra spark at home. This team now has a home field advantage. You don't sweep the Red Sox and Yankees at home and the Nationals and take three or four from the Astros without being a very good home team. And, Dave, I think that also may be the most uplifting part of this team. Hopefully they can carry that over to next year. This place has become what Joe used to call the pit. Well, you know, it, 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 it should be a home field advantage. We talk about it a lot. We're the only ballpark with a fixed roof in this field like this. I mean, yes, Toronto has pretty close to the same field, but they can open up their ballpark up. So it, it should be a home field advantage because nobody ever plays on a, a surface like this all that much, and you should take advantage of it. And I think, you know, we're getting back to the run prevention team that we were when we were putting banners up in 08, 10, 11, and 13. And I think, again, we're getting some athletes here, too, that uh, can run a little bit. I know that for a while here, we used to talk about how Kevin Kiermaier might have been the only guy on the team that could do things when he gets on bases. On base, well, we've got multiple guys now who can do that. We've got Kevin, we've got Malik. You can look at, uh, again, uh, when he gets on base, well, the Adamas can do, do some things. Joey Wendell's a good base runner. We're seeing that, you know, again, Jake Bowers may not be the fastest guy, but he can be a pretty good base runner when he's on base. And Tommy Pham can get things done. So we're a heck of a lot more athletic than we were uh, the last couple of years as well. And I think that plays to this ballpark. I think one of the things we've always noticed when we used to play the bigger, badder teams supposedly was that they looked old and slow on this field while we looked young and fast. And I think we're getting back to that young and fast. And I think that's another reason why this team uh, wins a lot of games here. Plus, it doesn't hurt that Blake Snell has been on one of the most incredible runs outside of yesterday's two-run home run. That streak of giving up one earned run or less, when you know he's going to start, that gives you a pretty good feel about how you're going to play that day too. Is there any doubt to the two of you that he's the team MVP at this point in the year? Not for me. I think he is. I think he absolutely is. I mean, especially what underscores it is the opener situation. I mean, if you're going to have the opener thing, and they've said that next year, maybe perfect case scenario might be three traditional starters and two openers. If you have one or two guys you can really lean on uh, to not only give you innings, but give you a chance to win and give that bullpen a break, then that, to me, is truly the definition of most valuable. And really, Dave, I don't know who would be second. Well, I think Justin Williams, if you'd have been given just a little more of a chance, (laughs) might have had a chance to uh, make a run at it. But you only gave him one at bat, and then you traded the guy. So that took him out of the equation. But, no, you know, I I think there's uh, no question that he is the MVP because I think it all uh, really works because of how good he has been. I think the fact that, uh, you know, again, when he is out there, uh, more often than not, you feel like you are going to win the game, and then it takes some pressure off of the next guy, and then it takes pressure off the fact that Kevin doesn't have to use certain relievers sometimes when he does pitch. So, uh, you know, there, I, I think there's a correlation to how well, uh, you know, again, Blake has pitched this year to when how the opener situations worked, and our best runs have been when Blake's been pitching well because I think, again, there's that uh, carryover effect, and it's like uh, osmosis or whatever you want to call it, contagious, that uh, he pitches well, and then it takes some of the pressure off of the other guys. We've noticed that when the Rays have hit a rut, and that little rut that they had right around the All-Star break started when Blake Snell got got beat up by the Minnesota Twins and then went on the DL. So that tells me how valuable he is to this team. 
So obviously we all want to see this team go on another run, the final 22 games, and hopefully make this really interesting and maybe make this a, a repeat of 11. But that said, what do you want to see on the field over the last 22 games? What are the two of you most looking forward to? My number one thing is I, I, gotta, I want to see Jake Bowers get as right as he possibly can before the season comes to an end because I, I don't want a big piece of our puzzle going forward to have to spend the next four or five months wondering what in the world do I have to do to get hits? I mean, his batting average is down to 192. Now, all I have to look is a couple of batters above him and look at Kevin Kiermeyer, and it's a 217. And Kiermeyer wasn't too long ago he was down in the mid-190s, maybe even a little further down than that. So I'm not saying that uh, I need to see Blake, uh, or I should say Jake, hitting uh, 250 by the end of the year, but I want to see some signs that he is back to where he was when he first got here because right now he is a shell of his former self at the plate. Uh, the ball is not jumping off his bat. Uh, he looks like he's in that dreaded kind of in-between zone. He looks like he's feeling for the baseball. He's not even taking pitches all that well, although he did walk a couple of times yesterday. That was a step in the right direction. I know the old skipper used to say if you're walking, you're hitting. Well, he walked. Now I'm hoping he's going to start hitting before it's all said and done. A couple things. I would absolutely agree with Dave said. I'd like to see uh, all of those younger players, especially the pitchers, who have never really gone through the month of September before to finish strong because you know, I think back to a guy like Jeff Neiman back in 2009, his rookie year, and I remember he was challenged to finish strong knowing what it feels like to pitch in September. Whether or not you're in a pennant race, I think your body can react differently throughout September once you've logged all those innings and think. They've been going hard at this uh, pretty much since uh, February. I, I've always disagreed or maybe learned to disagree with that whole statement of baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. I, I think it's a sprint, just a very, very long sprint. I, I, I think you could uh, really look, look at, at guys that finish uh, weekly and then it carries over to the next year. So I'd like to see those guys finish strong. And I asked Kevin Cash today uh, about is there value even if they don't make postseason, which is pretty long odds, to surpass the Mariners and get close to the A's, even if you didn't overtake them. And he said, Mariner, factually, absolutely. Win as much as you can. Let's make winning the norm around here and let uh, September of this year carry over to April of next year. And look, you go 14-8, and and you've got a lot of games at home in these last 22. 15 of the 22, you end up with 90 victories, which certainly would be a, a tremendous accomplishment whether you get into the postseason or not. One thing that I was curious on was the catching situation. Look, I think we wanted to see Michael Perez play the last couple months. He's been down with a hamstring injury, but at least the Rays get to evaluate Nick Schufo. And, I mean, so far so good. I think he's shown himself well the first week up, up in the big leagues. Yeah, 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 I mean, he's done, you know, he's done well. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you hit a homer in your debut at Tropicana Field, and I think he's done some nice things behind the plate with uh, the guys as well. So, you know, he has uh, acquitted himself rather nicely here over a couple games, but a couple of games, uh, you know, don't make the remainder of your mm -hmm. major league career. I just, you know, we're all going to be watching and seeing what he does. I think in a perfect world, I think the Rays would love to have some kind of a veteran kind of presence behind the plate, either as a backup or at least a mentor uh, to, to one of these guys. I, I'm not sure that, you know, we're looking at either one of them being a, a 125 to 130 uh, catching uh, games per year kind of guy. I think, uh, you know, talking to a couple of people, I think in the perfect world they'd love to maybe have like a 90-70 or maybe even 160 where you could uh, count on a backup guy to be in there a couple of times a week because, let's face it, first of all, Michael isn't all that big, and I don't know how he would do if he did have to ever catch 125 to 130 games. And, and, and Nick Schufo's put together rather well, but again, that's not really the way we've always developed catchers either. They don't uh, get the bulk load of catching sometimes at the minor league level. So I think, you know, 
injury is also your one foul tip away from going on the DL with uh, some of the things that can happen. So I think in a perfect world, the Rays would love to try and be able to find a veteran backup that can help out and, you know, again, be a 60 to 65 uh, games caught per year guy to help out, whether it would be Michael Perez or Nick Schufo or whoever may be our everyday, you know, our number one catcher a year from now. Yeah, I think what's interesting about it, too, is that you look, say, as late as the All-Star break, and I didn't really have an idea who would be the race catchers next year, nor did I have a great idea who would be the outfield for next year's team. I think at least we have some answers. Maybe they're not the final answers, but I think we at least have some guys there. Certainly in the outfield, I feel very good. I kind of can't wait for Austin Meadows to get up here and see he and Kiermaier and Pham together and let them get some comfortability in the outfield, thinking that could be how next year starts potentially. Uh, But even there are some guys now in the catching department. I would like to see the Rays uh, add something offensively to this uh, group with regard to power. It's been nice to see them score runs, and I think that's probably going to be the the way they score most of their runs. But when you think about it, C.J. Crone has 26 home runs. Second on this team is still Wilson Ramos at 14, and he hasn't played for this team since prior to the All-Star break. There's a big drop-off in power, so I'd like to see the Rays be able to get some sort of power heading into next season. And, and that's like why Dave and I say this all the time, why fam is important because he adds a presence. They still could use some more presence in that line. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, if, if, if you know, Jake Bowers was going like we anticipated him going, he might be in that 13 to 15 range by now. And I think he's not going to be a guy that you can count on and pencil in 30 homers, but he might be a guy you can pencil in close to 20 or 25, depending on uh, his swing plane and how he's doing. And, you know, I, I think you look at the traditional power positions within this team right now and uh, we are lacking some power I mean you usually you usually go to the corners uh, for that power and right now our first baseman our third baseman our left fielder and our center, right fielder aren't providing the the so-called pop that you usually get although Tommy Pham I think at the end of the day will but I, I think that that's that's an area I want to you, you always want to add more pitching uh, whether it be a starter or a back end of the bullpen kind of guy to help out and then a, a thumper would be a veteran thumper would be nice to add during this offseason as well. So ideal world, prioritize. Greatest need for the offseason, then? Well, uh, you know, it just, you know, don't don't just sit here and think we've accomplished anything. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, it's been a nice surprise, but there's still some additions that have to be made. We always make these comparisons to 2007 going into 2008. What 2007 showed us, and glaringly because of the fact that the team had lost a lot, was that there were some holes to fill. Don't be fooled by the fact that this team might win 85, 86, 87 games and think, all right, we can just take this team into 2019. We're going to be okay. There are some holes to fill on this team. And I think, like I said, I think I'd love to add another arm or two uh, to give us a little more depth, maybe a veteran depth uh, bullpen guy or even a starter. And then uh, I I really, truly believe we need some sort of a thumper to uh, add to this lineup. I think we're, we're, we're cutting down. We've cut way down on the strikeouts. We're finding different ways to score runs. But I think we've also found out, like we did yesterday, it's awful nice to get a couple of guys on and see a ball leave and go over the wall. The score runs a heck of a lot quicker that way, too. I'd like to see this team uh, add some sort of veteran presence, even in the bullpen. In fact, overall bullpen, while there's some terrific arms down there and we're hoping more to come next year, whether it be Poche or Jabot or whoever, but I'd like to see some guys that have done it in pressure situations uh, late in seasons before. I think Sergio Romo has been a very important member to this team this year, and I don't know if he'll be back next year, but if not him, uh, in fact, I would tend to think that he probably won't be, but I'd like to see some guys that have won before that know how to close out games and pitch in pressure spots late in seasons. Guys, great stuff. Thanks for being with us. Have a good call today. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. 
That is Dave and Andy. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. This is 620 WDAE St. Petersburg. It is gone! WBTP HD3 Clearwater and 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays. Let's take a look now at the minor league side on this week in Rays baseball. The Rays already have a championship to speak of in the Dominican Summer League. I spoke with Patrick Walters, Assistant Director of International Scouting, to gain some context. Our academy opened in 2009, and we've never made the playoffs in the Dominican Summer League. So uh, there's 44 teams in the league, and it's a very competitive league. Um, we have two teams down there now, and it's really a, a tribute to everybody that works in the academy, not only the players and coaches on the field but the staff and it was great to see you know everybody going to the games and getting involved and celebrating and taking part in ownership in the championship so it's a uh, it's a boost for everybody not only the, the people on the field there. How many employees are down in the Dominican Academy? There's probably around 20 to 30 employees in the academy different jobs cooks um, office administration maintenance people there's there's a lot that goes on there we have like I said, two teams, we have 92 um, beds in the academy. So it's a full house you know, all summer long. So there's a lot of people that, that help out and, and make this thing go. As an organization, I would assume there's got to be a lot of pride in seeing this grow. How much does this help in terms of, I guess you could almost call it recruiting, because when you have to sign players, it's not like a draft where they fall to you. You're, in essence, recruiting kids to sign with your organization. How much does that help credibility to win the Dominican Summer League? Absolutely, and all this starts with our, our scouts, our scouting department. You know, they find the right players to bring to the academy. Then, once they're in the academy, our coaches and development staff, they mold them into what we want in a player and what, what we hope will get these players to succeed as they go through the minor league career. And along with that, we get great support from our ownership and leadership in our baseball operations department. We teach, we try to teach the same here in the States in our minor leagues as we do in the Dominican. So that consistency, it helps these players develop. So when they come to the States, they know what to expect out of our coaching staff. You mentioned the, the two teams that you have down there. One obviously won a championship. The other one, 40-some-odd games as well. So why was this group this year that much better than you guys have had in the past? I think it's a credit to what we just touched on with the consistency. Having our U.S. coordinators go down there a lot during the year, not only during the season but in the off season as well, the players that have been with us, you know, the longer they're with us, they get used to, okay, this is how we do things. And I think both teams kind of fed off each other this year. They understood what what our coaching staff was wanting them to do, and, and our coaches did a great job. I can't give them enough credit, really, for, for what they did because it's tough down there. There's 10.30 a.m. games, so they're getting up early. They're eating breakfast at 6. It's hot. It's humid. So every day they bring a positive attitude and enthusiasm to to teach these young men. I think both teams really fed off of each other with that. You look across the Rays roster and you see guys from the academies, Yanni Chirinos, Jose Alvarado, Diego Castillo. Then you look at some of the position players coming, Jesus Sanchez, Vidal Brujan, Ronaldo Hernandez, Moises Gomez. So who are some of the kids maybe on this championship club that the MLB pipelines, the Baseball Americas will be talking about in the near term? Sure. Um, with this team, this this championship team, they, they did a great job with pitching and defense this year. They really had great pitching and defense, timely hitting. And, you know, some of the guys that really stepped up this year, Matthew Piguero, one of the starting pitchers, he was probably our most consistent starter this year. 
Um, had a great playoffs along with Franklin Da Costa, a left-handed pitcher from Venezuela. Really stepped up the second half of the year and was big time in the playoffs. Uh, and Julio Mesa is another player. Uh, he's a catcher who's actually coming to our instructional league program that starts next week. So, and a couple other pitchers that I think we could probably keep an eye on. Uh, Jose Serta from, from Mexico um, had a great year out of the bullpen for us. And Carlos Garcia, a hard-throwing right-handed pitcher from the Dominican that they really stepped up as the year went on. And just so fans are clear, when you guys have these academies, as you made mention, you've got players from Mexico, Venezuela, Dominican. This involves, again, all of the areas of Latin America and around where you guys sign players that are assigned to this academy before they may come to the States. Right. This the championship team actually had players from six different countries. Um, I believe we have Dominican, Venezuela, Aruba, Curacao, Mexico, and Panama on this team. So it's really, like I said, a credit to the scouting staff of going out not only in Dominican and Venezuela where there's more players um, traditionally, but, you know, these smaller different markets, you know, like Curacao, Aruba, trying to find those those type of players that don't get seen as often. So it's really a credit to our scouts going out and, and doing the work. And that is Patrick Walters. Congratulations to the Rays on the Dominican Summer League Championship. Also, congrats to the Princeton Rays, which ended up in the finals of the Appy League. Now, four teams affiliated with the race still are shooting for a championship. Hudson Valley is in the New York Penn League title series. Bowling Green is in the Eastern Division finals in the Midwest League, and both begin their play in that round tonight. Montgomery is down 2-1 in its best-of-five opening round playoff series, and Durham leads 2-1 in its set at the double and triple-A levels, respectively. They are both slated to play this evening. More on those teams next week. Coming up on this week in Rays Baseball, you hear from another 20-year Rays employee and some September call-ups. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in Rays Baseball. Time now for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season. Hi, this is Charlie Montoyo, bench coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. I started October 21st, 1996. What do you remember about when you were hired and about that day? The spring of that year, uh, I saw Tom Foley uh, in spring training. I was with the Expos, and I remember thinking that was going to be my last year playing. So I played against Tom the year before, so I told Tom, hey, think of me. I know you guys are hiring now, so think of me for next year. And thank God I did, because that's how it happened. October 17th, around there, he called me and said, we're going to interview you you know, tomorrow or something. And then October 21st, they offered me the the Princeton West Virginia manager's job. What's been the best part about working for the race organization all these years? The best part is like the other two years ago, whenever that was three years ago, whenever I got that 20 year award trophy that I got to me, that's one of the best awards I've ever gotten. Cause you know how it is in baseball stuff to be in one place. And, and, and for not only me, for maybe more than 10, 15, 20 people to be here for more than 20 years. That's, that says a lot about our organization, about our ownership. You know, we're a family here, and, and I'm really proud of that. That would be your greatest personal accomplishment. Besides that, what is your greatest personal accomplishment? What are you proudest of? You know, just, just being in the game for as long as I have. You know, it's not easy. And, and being with, with the race for this, this loan, it's, you know, you know, you know how it is in baseball. People go from place to place, and for me to be here from all the way to the bottom to, to now in the big leagues, to me, that's just... Uh, I'm very proud of that. What's your best memory of what's happened on the field, and where were you when it happened? 
Well, our, our best memory is just making it to the playoffs and to the World Series, you know. And I came here to when we beat Boston and, and, and all that. So that, that was a lot of fun when the whole organization showed up to watch the playoff game. And to me, that, that was the, the, the biggest moment of, our, of my time here. Congrats to Charlie Montoya in his 20-plus years and more good stuff to come, hopefully, for him and the Rays. Now, this week was Roberto Clemente Day across Major League Baseball. The Rays nominee for the Major League Award was Malik Smith, and I had a chance to speak with Malik's about what that honor meant to him. It's just humbling, really. It's not an award that I thought that I would receive, uh, not because I feel like um, I'm inadequate of the award, but I'm not looking to receive uh a award as prestigious as him, as as the Roberto Clemente Award. <laughs> I don't think I've done anything nearly as positive as he has for um, the world, really. You know, um, and then in, in his time span and when he came, a plan, it's just unmatched. So like being just being nominated is very humbling in itself. And. I would assume you obviously know some about him, but you followed the history of the game fairly well too, so to be put in that context has to mean a lot. Definitely. Um, like I say, I you know, I, I haven't I haven't truly like let it sink in because I'm too busy telling myself like, you know, you didn't really deserve this award. Roberto Clemente just did so much for the game, you know, and he was very outspoken uh, emotionally. You know, that's things that, as as a man, you just don't do. You know, um, at a time when he was crucified for it, and and, and you can easily, you know, shun the world and, and and just you know become a guy that doesn't care about nobody when you're getting just talked about and just you know scrutinized for everything you do that isn't positive. Um, and he wasn't that way. You know, you know things are a lot easier on us these days. So, um, you know, you could try to play the social media card, but that's not bad. So, really, genuinely, you know, to be in the same category as a Roberto Clemente in anything, any facet of life, especially off the field, um, is truly humbling. You've done a lot of different things off the field this year. Mm -hmm. So, what have you enjoyed most? What's been most gratifying to you? Um, so. For me, my my biggest thing is like just getting in, getting in the kids' life, especially back in my home city. You know, I'm, I'm biased there. Um, I don't mind getting in any 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 child's life anywhere, but I'm very biased to the kids in my in my city because uh, I'm just from there. You know, I, I grew up in the same streets. You know, I went to the same schools. So like, that's that's probably the best part for me every every year. You know having those guys reach out to me and I reach out to them and we spend like true quality time together not nothing for show you know nothing documented just hey you know it's me and you and I, I feel like they appreciate it but I, I appreciate them for allowing me back in their lives. What other things would you like to do because obviously baseball with success gives you more of a platform. Um, in, what, in what way? I guess you become more recognizable. Sometimes it's easier to, people are maybe more willing to listen because they know who you are. Um, in what ways would you like to maybe have a, even a further impact going forward? Um, you know, I, I, just, I just want children to, you know, truly like gain some, 
self-worth. And um, I mean, it doesn't have to be children, people, grown-ups, you know, anybody that I can affect. Um, just self-worth and, and that, that they can be somebody because, you know, it, it gets truly undermined of how mental, mental problems or, you know, your mentality can set you back. And, you know, everybody's not getting positive encouragement daily and everybody's not seeing positive things daily. So negative thoughts just linger in their head all the time. So just making sure that, you know, kids think positively about themselves and the things that they can accomplish are, is what I would love to be able to promote moving forward. And that's Malik Smith on being the Rays nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award. And congrats to him on the work he's doing on and off the field. This week also included a couple of first-time call-ups with joy for many reasons. Before yesterday's game, I asked Nick Shufo to reflect on what this week has been like. It's been awesome. It's been, what, I guess four days now. The sleeping for the first couple nights was a little tough, trying to go to bed with my heart still racing, but it's been a lot of fun. You know, the, there's a lot of people here that I've played with before or have played with this year in Durham, so I think that makes the transition a little bit easier as far as coming into the big leagues for the first time. But overall, it's been, I mean, it's a dream come true. Making the big leagues is what you dream of, what every kid dreams of when they first start playing baseball. And to be one of the few people that has ever, you know, really done it um, is awesome. Your dad was there in Toronto. Has he come here for the homestand too? And if not, when will he get to see you play again in person? I'm not sure. You know, he, he was there for the debut. My girlfriend was there for the debut. Unfortunately... My two best friends and my mom don't have passports, so they'll be at the first game uh, at the Trop. But uh, he won't be coming this weekend, but I'm sure he'll be back at some point if he can. But it it was uh, it was cool for him to be there for the first game. It, it was kind of funny because I, I told my mom and I told people earlier this year, I was like, you know, you guys probably should get passports just in case, you know, something were to happen, I get called up and we're in Toronto. Well, I got called up. We were in Toronto. So some people missed it. But uh, so this almost will be like my debut in front of all my friends and family and stuff that have been able to make it here. So it's going to it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think it's starting to sink in more now that I'm at the Trop, to be honest, because I've been in the Trop so many times for different things, and it's always kind of been that's where our big league team plays, that's where our big league team plays. And now it's, all right, this is where I play. This is where I'm going to be playing. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a, like I said, it's a dream come true. To this point, is the first at bat the best moment? Is the first game what what has sunk into you, if anything? Because I know everything's probably moving pretty fast. The first win, because I, I talked a little bit about this a couple of days ago. I wasn't gonna go my whole career and not get a hit, so I knew that was gonna come. I'm glad it's over with. I'm glad I can finally move past that and just get back to trying to be as relaxed as I can at the plate and and just do the job that needs to be done at that at-bat, whether it's get on base, drive a run in, or move a guy, or whatever it is. But my main priority while I'm up here is to win ball games. No matter who we're playing, who's on the mound, is to find a way to win a ball game. And I think getting on the same page with the pitchers as quickly as I can is going to be a big thing. That's why I try to have a ton of conversations with each guy, whether the inning was good or bad. Uh, you know, If we breeze through an inning, I still am asking questions. Hey, what do you feel about this? What do you feel about that? Do you do this? Do you do that? Because that's, I mean, that's my job. I've said it already. My job is to come here and catch winners. Whether I go 0 for the rest of the year, but I win every game I catch, that's that's a job well done in my book. What have you learned from your experiences this year? Obviously, having to sit out, I'm sure, was difficult, and you were pretty upfront and honest during the course of spring training in February about it. 
Yeah, I mean that's, you know, that was a, that was the biggest mistake probably I've ever made in my life. And luckily the Rays have such a great support staff, and they've been so good. And they've had my back throughout the entire process. They they helped me get the help I needed. But at this point, honestly, I'm just I feel like I'm past that chapter of my life and on on to the next chapter, which is is playing in the big leagues. I think that adversity made me a better person and and going through what I had to go through is, is making me a better person today than I was when that happened. So, you know, I really got back to back to the basics, especially being an extended and all that. Being with younger pitchers again, getting back to the basics with those with those guys. But really just not taking advantage of or taking for granted that I have another day to play. And that was something I said to Mayo, I think, after I warmed up before the second game and I said, Mayo, it's a great day, you know why? He said, Why? I said because I got another opportunity to play in the big leagues. And that's kind of what I'm going to treat every day is a, is a, is a blessing to be here and, and try to take full advantage of, of the opportunity that I have every day. Is that the way it's kind of changed you in a good way? I think so. You obviously have, you have bad days where you're just not feeling good or, or whatever it is. Um, in the big leagues, I don't think there are going to be many days where you, you uh, aren't feeling too good or don't want to be there. But, you know, because whether it's, you know, stuff going on in your life or, your body just doesn't feel good. There's days where you don't feel feel that great when you come to the yard. You know, I felt like I had. I don't really feel like I had any of those when I got to Durham. I was so happy to be there. I mean, because you see guys play, or I've been to Durham, and you know, you hear about how great it is to play in Durham and, and the fans there and, and everything in AAA was just awesome. So I was really excited to be there. But overall, it's made me a better person in my life. I think it's also made me a better baseball player. So obviously it's a crappy situation to have to go through but I feel like I made the most of my circumstance that I had and it certainly appears that way for Nick Schufo congrats on his major league debut and a homer last night in his first at bat at Tropicana Field now Andrew Velasquez also made his major league debut this week and like Schufo there was similar appreciation for the opportunity you know you grow up wanting to get here so now that we're here I think the goal is to try and stick so uh, but yeah Amazing, amazing having my parents in Toronto for a day. Um, just very happy to he- be here. And teams winning and playing winning baseball. So anything I can do to contribute, be helped. Do you look back at, at this year and, and the way things have evolved? I mean, I think you were the last guy to get invited to Major League Spring Training, and now here you are in September on the big league roster. I mean, it's a pretty cool ride. Yeah, um, I was uh, I was very happy that they gave me the opportunity in spring to come down and uh, – showcase some stuff but uh yeah not I'm not very surprised because I believe in myself but you know you never ex- expect it to happen I, I, in a way that's the best way I could describe it. but uh like I said I'm very happy to be here I'm thankful that they uh, believe in me enough to call me up so when Jared got to you what what were you thinking and what went through your mind and did he have a little fun with it at least Oh, no, he called me about, like, 2, 2.15 in the morning. And then I was in Cleveland a couple hours later, so uh, didn't really have much time to process it. But, yeah, he uh, he had no choice. We couldn't meet face-to-face. It was just like a, hey, go to the field, get your stuff. You got a flight in a couple hours, going to the big league. So, I mean, any any way they could tell you that is, uh, is the best way. As you look at this year, what's been the biggest change? As far as like my game standpoint, or? yeah, you've had a, you've had a terrific year. Um, what would you think is is helped you the most, or what's allowed you to grow the most? Uh, just uh, a lot of hard work in the off season. Like I put on 
couple more pounds than I typically do, just so I can maintain throughout the season and feel strong at this time of the season. And just working on uh, being more consistent at the plate. I think uh, I know I'm, I can be a good hitter. Uh, it's just about putting that into action in the games and like uh, mentally, like being more mature out there, it's like stealing bases and playing defense. Uh, it's just a little more experience than I had last year. Yeah. You mentioned though the uh, the weight you put on. You stayed healthy this year, and I know at times in this organization that's you know been challenging. Is that do you think that's helped you stay healthy all year? The extra weight? Oh uh, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, it's not just ex, you know like uh, I'm eating McDonald's every day. So uh, you know putting in the work in the uh, in the gym and really gaining. Uh, about 10, 12 pounds of muscle, I think. Yeah, but I attested to it 100%. And just like stretching, knowing how to prepare for a game now, um, just little things like that, staying hydrated, so that, that helps a lot. You guys obviously have had a great environment down in Durham this year. Are there guys down there that have, whether it's on the coaching staff or any of the veteran players that have been very helpful, and if so, who? I'm um, just all of them all together. You know, everybody all together. It's not it's not a solo mission when you get here. It's, there's a lot of moving parts to help you get here. So. Even guys back home that I work out with, uh, Elijah's the guy that I work out with, and Richard, our monster, he's the guy I hit with. But yeah, Dan's always on me, Jared's always on me. Um, you know, talking to Ben Johnson about stealing bases, we always look at the pitchers before before each series. Even teammates, you know, Wong, me and Wong talk a lot. Me and Russ Snyder talk a lot. So even guys that, were, that are here right now. So it's a lot of moving parts. It's not just a solo mission. I know you haven't gotten a ton of ABs this first week, but is there a moment that sticks out to you this first week being in a big league ballpark, being in a big league game for the first time? I'm just happy my first uh, play on the field wasn't a routine play. I think if I got a routine play, I would have thought myself out of it. But I got like a, a tough play, so it kind of helped me to just not think. And after that, I kind of realized, you know, same game, you know, just slow it down. Getting that bat as well, that helped a lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't feel uh, – as nervous and jittery as I thought I would have, I feel pretty confident. And that's Andrew Velasquez, who got his first major league hit yesterday. Thanks to him and all the guests on our program today, including three of the 22 raised rookies who've been with the team this year. Among them, Adam Kolarik. We also thank Dave and Andy for being with us, as well as Patrick Walters of the Rays international staff, Charlie Montoyo, Rays bench coach, along with Malik Smith, Rays outfielder, who was the nominee for the Clemente Award and also rookie Nick Schufo. Next week, you'll hear from more September call-ups and some teams chasing minor league titles in the postseason. If you ever have something you want to hear on our program, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Thanks very much to my producer, Len Martez. Neil Solons saying stay tuned. We're getting set for the Rays and Orioles. Rays trying to win their 10th consecutive game at Tropicana Field. Again, Rays and O's coming up. Thanks for being with us on this week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network.